Bokertov, good morning. Good morning. Continue our weekly support group in Amuna. We haven't had a sponsor the last few weeks, which a uh, hint hint is a way of uh, encouraging an opportunity to sponsor in loving memory in honor of someone. It's mitzvah goreris mitzvah. You could sponsor the study of Torah and give tzedakah to a worthy uh, cause. So we'll dedicate today's learning. Today is Yom HaZikaron in memory of our beloved and precious soldiers, 20, over 24,000 of whom gave their lives to found and to protect the state of Israel and Jews around the world and thousands other who died as victims of terror who gave their lives al uh, Kiddush Hashem simply for being Jews and protecting our uh, homeland. And the Neshamas should have an Aliyah. And uh, we also daven for a Refua Shlema, a member of our shul is having a serious surgery this afternoon, Shula Amsalam, Shula Midbat, Bella. Her uh, surgery should go well and she should have a speedy, complete and painless recovery. Refua Shlema. Okay, we're on Perak Chafalaf of Mesila Sisharim. That's not because we read the first 20 chapters that were up to chapter 21. We, uh, we skipped right to chapter 21 because this is not a Shira Mesila Sisharim, but rather it's a class talking about Emunah Bitachon. We began this last week. And we chose this uh, section, this parak, in isolation because this parak really hits on a tremendously important uh, nakuda, a very important central aspect or theme of uh, living a life of faith, of amuna, which is why we get together to support one another in our attempted growth in that area. So just to remind you, and for those who weren't here last week, the chapter is called Bedarche Kniyas Chasidus, the right way to acquire piety. And we defined Chasidus here doesn't mean not that there's anything wrong with the modern definition of Hasidus as a movement, a hashkafa within the Yadus. Hasidus is not how to wear a shtraimel or a gartel or a bekesha. Hasidus is an inner piety. How to live a life where not only are you in control of urges and temptations, but you've been able to transform yourself to purge those urges and temptations so that you're much more wholesome and pure. A life of chasidus, a life of piety. And he explained the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, that the way to acquire that life of piety requires mindfulness, conscientiousness. You can't live a life of piety, you can't be not only overcoming struggle, triumphing over urge, but actually eliminating it. You can't eliminate it if you don't have a high degree of self-awareness. If you're not living a life with a high degree of mindfulness. You have to know what's happening in your surroundings. You have to know what the temptations are. You have to know what the obstacles are. You have to know what the opportunities are. You have to know and feel Hashem's ever-presence in our lives, His guiding hand on our shoulder, His embrace, His support, His criticism. You have to feel Hashem's presence. When He's talking to us, Islam Rebbe says in this week's parsha that the Negaim, Tazriya and Mitzorah, which are all about saras, they're about getting not a, we spoke in the parasha class yesterday, not a physical leprosy, it's not a dermatological disease, it can't be solved with cortisone cream, but rather it is a, it is a disease which reveals that there's a virus going on on the inside. It's a virus on the inside. Because if you have a problem with your phone or your computer, it's not just what you see on the screen that's the problem. The screen tells you that there's a virus going on on the inside. That's why the Pasuk says it's amok meha'or. It's deeper than the skin. The blemish appears, the nega appears deeper than the skin. It's amok, it's deeper. It's not a skin-deep disease. It's something which is, which is much deeper. So the Islam Rebbe says, you go to the Kohen, you don't go to the doctor, you go to the Kohen. And he says the modern-day application of Taras is that when we stub our toe, or your knee, or your hip hurts you, or you're stuck in traffic, or the ache, or the pain, or the crack, so the, that's your nega, that's our nega. And the same way the nega was calling out to the recipient, the victim, the patient, who had that 
ailment and saying, you know, this is a this is an invitation to make a change in your life. This is an opportunity. Hashem afflicts us with it, not because He doesn't like us, but because He loves us. And He wants us to realize we've got to shift something. Something needs to be repaired. There's something which is off here. Something is imbalanced. And so it begins, Hashem calls to Moshe, the nega calls to us. And in life, if one lives life with their antenna extended and looks around their lives, they feel, Hashem is calling to me all day long. Everything that's happening to me. There are no coincidences, nothing is chance. Whatever it is, that's happening, there is a reason I meant to learn to grow. Not necessarily a punishment. I'm not suggesting that for every ache and pain, which is minimal, and certainly not for any major uh, health crisis or challenge or any other crisis which is major, that one needs to automatically assume it's a punishment. We don't believe that. We don't live in a world of that. We leave that to God. We are not in a position to determine what's a punishment. But all we know is it's an invitation. It may not be a punishment, but it's a reminder. It's, a, it's an alarm. It's telling us, make a change. Use it as a springboard to grow as an opportunity. And the Ramchal here says, so you need to be mindful. You need to be conscious, conscientious. You need to be awake. You need to be self-aware. But you're never going to achieve a life of chassidus. You're never going to achieve a life of, of piety. If you listen to all the productivity gurus and you talk about successful people, and you talk about people who are the best version of themselves, who are high achieving, who aspire for greatness, they're self-aware. They're not just being brought by the momentum of life. They're not just go with the flow. They have, a, they have a vision. They have goals. They're self-aware. They have a chart of they know what they want to accomplish, what will help them get there, what's an impediment to getting there, how they need to navigate those impediments, and what they need to do in order to be successful. And that's true in the physical sense, with our health, with our finances. But it's also true, most importantly, with our neshamas, with our souls, with our spiritual ambition. And the three things that he said, number one is, he said you need hispodidus. You Remember we talked about this last week. You need space, you need margin in life. You have to be able to have time to think. If there's always noise, if its space is always filled with activity, then you can't think. And if you can't think, you can't have breakthrough. If you want spiritual breakthrough, relationship breakthrough, any breakthrough, you need to disconnect in order to connect. You need to make time for his bodhidus. It could be 30 seconds. It could be while brushing your teeth, it could be in the car, it can be whatever it is, but talk. I've been working on this the last several years, talking to Hashem out loud. It's amazing how you grow in it. When you first start out, you feel like a moron. Yeah. You feel stupid. You're like, it just feels weird. You're talking, who are you talking to? What are you saying and what they know already? Why are you talking out loud? But the more you do it, the more you look forward to it because it's cathartic. You are confiding in a best friend. You're talking to the source of all who can help solve whatever challenge that you have. So whether you do it within davening, which is what it was designated to be, or whether you do it in anticipation of davening, we're talking about how to acquire chasidus. So the chasidim rishonim, the Gemara tells us, the chasidim rishonim, the early pious people, would designate an hour before they davened, which today is our psuke de zimra, which is about eight minutes long. Not an hour. But they would designate an hour before they stood up for the Amida. Amida comes from the words to be Omeid Omeid. When you stand before Hashem, the rest of Davening is not Davening to Hashem. It's Davening about Hashem. Birchas Hashachar, Korbanos, Psuke de Zimra, Birchas Kriya Shema, Shema, all that sitter stuff until you get to the Shemona Esra, the Amida, is not, Penny used to hear me say this for years back when I ran the explanatory service, but it's not talking to God. All that is talking about God. Why? So that when you talk to God, you're ready to talk to Him. 
Psuke de Zimra, Zimra from the word Zomer is to prune. You're cutting away all the dead weight so that you can blossom and grow and flourish. So that you can have that kind. There are Psukim that are Zomer. Psuke de Zimra. Psuke de Zimra is made up of two themes. We're going back to my explanatory days. Psuke de Zimra is made up of two themes. It's the God of creation and the God of history. If you read the Mizmori Tehillim that are chosen from Baruch Sha'amar, Hodu, Yichvod, Mizmor Soda, Ashrei, the Halalukas, Vayvarach David, Azashir, all the themes are seeing God's hand in nature, in creation, and feeling Hashem's hand in history. Why? So we take that and we say, okay, this is now who Hashem is. He is categorically different than me. I am pathetic, finite, nothing. Wow. He is everything. Nature, history, unbelievable. I want to make a commitment to Him. I want a relationship with Him. That's Birchos Kriyashma. It's all about my relationship, my obligation to Hashem. Shema is all about what my responsibility, what my obligation. That's Shema. Then from Shema, now I'm ready to have a conversation. I always used to say, it's like the dating. First Pesukah December is getting to know the other person. That's the dating period. Tell me, where'd you go to seminary? Where'd you go to high school? Tell me about your siblings. What are your biggest fears? What are your biggest dreams? Where do you want to travel? What, do you, what kind of Shabbos table do you want to have? What do you, where do you want to live? It's getting to know. Then you're ready for a commitment. You get engaged. Birchos Kriyashma and Shema is the period of engagement. Right? That's, that's Shema is all about not love translates for Judaism into action. It's Kabbalah's Ol Machu Shemaim and Kabbalah's Ol Mitzvos. Commitment is about action. And then the Amidah is when you go stand for a private conversation with Hashem, that's the Yichud room. That's the Chuppah. That's being a private rendezvous and intimacy and experience with Hashem. And then Asher Yavalatzion, you're not with Hashem anymore. Now you are, after you exercised intensely and you had a heart rate of 160 beats a minute, you can't go from that to sitting on the couch. You'll die. You need to slow your heart rate down. You need to come off of that experience. You need to come out of the Yichud room and re-enter life with the new status, the new relationship that you have. So the only part of davening where you're actually davening is the Amida. The rest of davening you're talking about Hashem so that when you talk to Hashem, you can feel you're in His presence. We take three steps forward and we are in a new, wherever you are in life, you're in your kitchen, you're in the shul, you're on the side of a highway, you're in an airport, wherever you are in life, you could take three steps forward, and the only place you are now is with Hashem. You're alone with Him, there's nothing else that matters. You don't really care. We take those three steps back, three steps forward, we keep our feet together, we're like an angel who doesn't walk, we have nowhere else to go, there is nowhere else to go, this is all we have, we're in the presence of Hashem, this is a conversation we're going to have. That's what the Amidah is. It's a private rendezvous, it's private intimacy, it is private moment to confide in, to talk to, to express gratitude, to protest to. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And what I try to do, I'm just sharing with you because, not because I'm perfect or I don't have a long way to go, but maybe it can be helpful, is in my davening is my agenda for the day. Not as a distraction from my davening, but it actually enhances my davening. Okay, Rebona Shalom, I've got a levai at 11 a.m. this morning. Give me the right words that will comfort the family. Help me write a hespid in record time because I didn't really leave enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. Help me. Okay, after that, I've got to go visit someone having surgery in Miami. Rebona Shalom, help me not have traffic and make this a miserable all-day experience. Help me find them, you know, help it all go well and help me find the ability to comfort them. And to Hashem, my child has a difficult uh, test today. My other child has... Whatever's going on in your life, you have an agenda and itinerary for your davening. If you're a human being, if you're alive, you have an agenda for your davening. I don't care how well your life is going. Mirza Hashem, I bless us all. It should be go so well that we have nothing to talk about. You have something to talk about. And if you don't, then you don't, not, not a Jew who cares. 
Because if you care that it's Yom HaZikaron and there are families in pain today as they recall their loved ones who are gone. If you care that on the Israel's northern border, Syria and Iran, filling the vacuum and the potential conflict that's going on over there. If you care about, if you just awaken alive and you follow the news half-heartedly, you have something on your agenda to talk to the Ribbon Shalom about. And do you know how good it feels to weave into your own davening, asking Hashem to solve the Syrian problem? The less something has to do with you and yet you daven for it, the better it makes you feel. You're part of something bigger than yourself. You care. You understand his mission to repair the whole world, not just your world. You're not just part of an egocentric world that's all about you. You're part of his world. You're feeling the pulse, living the rhythm of his world and caring about it. So davening each of those brachos. Atachonein, Hashem, give me the right words for a hesped. Hashiveinu avinu, kosh baruchu, I don't know. I have my own personal tshuva, that part I'm not going to share with you. I've got to do, and help me do my own slach lanu avinu. Rufa'inu, there's no shortage of people who need serious tefillahs, please, kosh baruchu, give them a rufu'a shleima. Borechaleinu, parnasa, people I know, my own issue, whatever. There's no, it's an agenda. Chazal built us a beautiful template of agenda and said, fill in. That's, that could be our hispodidus. If you feel comfortable talking to Hashem in the context of tefillah, talk to Him then. If you're not, in the car, in the kitchen, on a walk, talk out loud to Hashem. Fill Him in. Same way I was just describing. God, I need your help. Let's go out. that worked out. Thank you so much. That was amazing. My child came home so happy. I'm so happy there. The nachas you give me, I can't believe this. Whatever's going on. Kush I just found out this terrible thing happened to that person. I want to tell you I'm protesting. I object to your doing that, Hashem. You invited me to do that. Like Avram did for Stone and like Moshe Rabbeinu did. And you've invited me to protest and I'm using my voice to protest. I don't like it. It's not right. If it hurts them, it hurts me. Please don't hurt us. There's an opportunity to talk to Hashem all day long and it'll leave you feeling transformed. You're nourishing a piece of yourself that is so hungry and thirsty and dehydrated by doing that. Okay, we haven't even started today. So number one was Hispodidus. Number two was tapping to Mizmore David, he said, using, using Tehillim. And number three was biographies. Hakriya Basipur Maisa Hasidim. told you I'm reading the biography of the Klesim That You can read biographies of great men, great women, and you will be moved by their story, by their mysterious nefesh, by their heroism, by their ordinaryism. Ordinaryism. By their, in other words, don't just read stories of heroism where you go, that's incredible, I can never live up to that, end of book, move on. Read stories of people who in an ordinary way led extraordinary lives. Okay, that's what we're up to. On page 150, the second paragraph. So what is the, what takes us away? What are the obstacles? What are the impediments? If we're trying to live this life of mindfulness and meaning of connection to Hashem, what are the impediments that knock us off course? Says the Masil Sasharim, says the Ramchal. You know what it is? Worry, nervousness, anxiety. When a person's mind is preoccupied, when you cause yourself to go crazy by anxiety of all the things in your life, how can you have a mindfulness, a consciousness? How can you have a self awareness? How can you have goals if your head is clouded by all kinds of things? I was listening to a podcast last week by um, a Navy SEAL leader named Jocko Willens. He wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. He's, he's like one of these just on fire people. Tim Ferriss, who's a, who's a great author and podcaster, also interviewed him and introduced me to him and I was listening to his, his podcast. And he told a very interesting um, story that when he was in Ramadi in Iran, 
in Iraq in the, in the worst city and having the most brutal battles. Anyway, his kids once said to him, um, can you send us a picture of where you sleep? So he went to the area of where he sleeps and right, this, this guy's like a warrior. He's like, he's, he's huge. He can do 65 pull-ups straight and he weighs like 250 pounds. He's just this, this warrior. He gets up 4.45 every morning. He kills the day. You know, like you listen to him and you're, you're like pumped up. It's like drinking an entire box of coffee just listening to two minutes of him. Anyway, so his kid said, show us where you sleep. So he went to take a picture of where he sleeps and he, he realized that he didn't have the pictures of his kids on the wall. So he went into his folder. He took out the pictures. He taped them to the wall. He took that picture. He took the pictures down. And, uh, and he sent his kids the picture. Why didn't he have the pictures of his kids on the wall? Not because he doesn't love his kids, but he loves his kids so much that he wants to be alive to return to see them. And he said, I, when I'm preparing for the battle, for the mission the next day, I can't be distracted looking at the punim of, he didn't say punim, looking at, the, looking at the sweet faces of my children and looking at my wife and thinking about what would happen if I didn't come home or what they need from me or what I'm missing, what's going on over there. To love them more is to not be distracted by them so that when I come home, I can be healthy, alive, and be fully present with them. I'm not, you know, judging that right, wrong. I thought it was a fascinating perspective because, you know, before he said that, you'd say like, what kind of monster doesn't have a picture of his family on the wall of where he is in Iraq, half a world away, not even seeing them? But once he explains his rationale, so it just it, 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 it's reminding me of it. This notion that if you're folk, if you want his bodhness, you want you want contemplation, you want mindfulness. You got to remove distraction. Not not your kids and spouse among them. They're part of the hisbonimus. I'm not suggesting on a daily basis one does that. But it means that we have to be focused. Because without contemplation, you cannot achieve chasidus, piety, right? Completion, wholesomeness, uh, piety, whatever, however you want to define it. And even if you've achieved it, you've gotten there. You're living the best version of yourself. You jump out of bed in the morning. You do the exercise you're meant to do. You read the tale you're meant to read. You daven with full kavana. You volunteer. You do chesed. You're an amazing friend to the people around you. You're the ultimate parent. You're the most disciplined. You're learning it. You're like, you're the killer. You're killing it. You're killing it, killing it, killing it. You've arrived. You can never feel you've arrived. You're never there. You're never there. It is a constant battle. Constant battle. You know, in the world of addiction and in the world of recovery, one of the keys to success is to never feel that you're done. You're never done. So I was talking to somebody who's in recovery and he was sharing how he begins at every meeting. He says, I am so-and-so and I am an alcoholic. One of his family members says, you still say I am? You don't say I was? You don't say, I was? You've been clean 30 whatever years. You still say, I am? He said, yeah. He said, the day I say I was is the most vulnerable day that I go back to whatever I was doing. The day I say I was, I'm at the greatest risk. I'm most vulnerable to be going back to what I was doing. I am. And that's true for us. Whatever it is we're overcoming, we're conquering. Right? These weeks, parshiyos, lashon hara, gossip, that urge. Let's say you're in a great place because some friend got very sick, so you signed up for an hour and not the 2 to 3 a.m. slot of I'm not going to speak Lashnar. You signed up for a real hour and you were good for that hour and being good for that hour felt so good that you expanded it to two hours and three hours and five hours. And now you're like, I was a gossiper. No, I still am a gossiper. 
I am just every day battling to have self-control, not to gossip. Every day. The moment you think you've arrived, the moment you think I was, is the moment you will become once again. And that's exactly what the Ramchal is saying. That don't think you've arrived. You got to that level. You attained that status you were hoping for. You got to that self-control, that discipline. The moment you let your guard down is the moment that the distractions, the anxiety, the worry, the nervousness creeps back in. The to-do list, everything you have to do. You, you feel like you're suffocating. You feel like the world's caving in. Then all that you've achieved disappears. The amuna, the bitachon, the serenity, the tranquility, the avas Hashem, the yiras Hashem, it disappears. I love this Gemara Shabbos Daflamid. It's an unbelievable Gemara. It should be on posters around our homes. You want divine presence in your home? What a statement of the Jewish people. The divine presence is not in a place of seriousness and sobriety and sadness and nervousness and anxiousness. All of those attitudes, all of that drives the Shekhinah away. If you think that the holiest home is the place where they you know, walk around like this and they, they don't talk at meals and they're very serious because there's a Rebona Shulam and we're being judged for everything we do and how could we do and life is so short and it doesn't... Hashem says, would you want to hang out in that house? <laughs> Hashem says, I don't want to hang out in that house. What are the qualities? Lo mitoch atzvos. Sadness? Who wants to be around sadness? We have friends and family members who are constantly fabisana and down and sad and complaining and woe is me. And you know what we do? We, we, who wants to be around that? You tolerate it, you put up with it, you check in on it, you go to the family event with it, but you don't crave to be close to it. Kosh also says, Lo mitoch atzvos. You're atzuv, you're sad, Sadness, now I'm not talking about somebody who's clinically sad, somebody who has good reason to be sad, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty for being sad. There are reasons to be sad. And there's nothing wrong with sadness. But sadness has moments and has times. Sadness is not an overarching demeanor. My whole life, oh, my demeanor? Sad. Volomitoch atzlis. Because Baruch doesn't connect with laziness. Right? You want to be around the people who are like, no, don't do anything, just sit here, just sit on the couch, do nothing, accomplish nothing, let's just gossip. What you hear about someone, I'll tell you what I've heard about people. You don't want to be around that either. Maybe once in a while you get sucked into it. I don't know about you. If I've ever been to a Shabbos meal, hopefully not at this house because we try to prevent that, but you ever had a Shabbos meal where you're not in control. And so the conversation was yucky. It was about people. It was about, the, it was yucky. Like when you walk away from that, you feel Tired, depleted, yucky. You need a shower. You need a mikvah. You need a. It just feels yucky. It feels yucky. So Kush Baruch also says, "Atzlus, I don't want to be around that." Velo mitoch kalos rosh, frivolity, jokiness, sarcasm. Velo mitoch dvarim betelim. Ella. So what does a Kush Baruch want to be around? The Shechina Ishora. To what home does Hashem fill His countenance? Does He bring His presence? Mitoch dvar simcha shomnet. He wants joy. Happiness, enthusiasm, high energy, positiveness, right? I'm like, I'm addicted to Jocko right now. I want to listen to his podcast and read his books. Why? Because three minutes with him and you're like, that's it, I'm on fire, I'm going to conquer my day. Right? You want to be around that. So Kosh Baruch Hu also wants to be around a home that says, what's our next mitzvah? And such enthusiasm and such joy and it's so exciting. Even greater to 
for the pursuit of pleasure and enjoyment, they are the opposite. They are the obstacle to chasidus. They lure the heart towards them. They are a distraction. They take us away from everything we know to be important, to be true, to matter. What saves a person from these things? Oh, this is the punchline. This is why we're learning this in this year. Finally, we're here. So you say, great, I buy in. I'm ready. I want to transform who I am, my demeanor, my disposition, my home, my interactions. I want to transform it from sadness to joy, from laziness to activity, to alacrity. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to transform it. What do I need? What do I need to achieve that serenity, <coughs> tranquility, that peace, that calm, that mindfulness, that contemplativeness, that hisbonibus? What do I need? Says the Ramchal, you know what you need? It's one word, bitachon. But how do you get the simcha? What you need is simcha. So how do you feel that joy? Feel that joy? I just told you my itinerary for one day. I got to do a funeral. It's so sad. I'm the I got to check in the family. There's so much sad in this crisis, the other crisis, the third crisis. You know, the, there's just this crisis and crisis. I'm, I'm talking about my own children and my own life and my own, how do I feel? And my own, how do you have happiness when you have all that? How do you have joy? This children has this challenge. That children child has that challenge. You're worried about this family member for that reason. You're worried about your partner. So will that thing work out? You have this friend. You have that thing. Not to mention your to-do list with its deadlines. With its, how are you going to get it all done? How are you supposed to feel simcha that's going to welcome the shechina? How can you live a life of joy, enthusiasm, happiness where Hashem will want to dwell when you have all that? You know what the answer is? Says the Ramchal, the solution to it all, bitachon. Bitachon. Because the moment you buy into bitachon, the moment that you have the mindfulness to say, you know what? There's a Ribbono Shalom, there's an Almighty, He created the world, He put me in it, I have a mission, and it's all going to work out. There's a reason for everything that's happening. I'm going to do my best, I'm going to put in my best effort, and it's all going to work out. It's going to work out. And whatever it is, it is, because whatever it is, is what's meant to be. So now you can take that deep breath and realize, it is what it is. Actually, in, in one of these podcasts, I think it's when Tim Ferriss is interviewing Jocko, so he talks about he doesn't say it in the form of bitachon right because he's not giving a religious podcast I don't know if he is I don't know if they are religious not religious that doesn't come up but he talks about when you are running late to the airport and you realize you're going to miss your flight he says you need to embrace that and say you can either lose your cool Start crying and, and flipping out and everything is ruined and what's going to be and the anxiety. So now you start a fight with the person next to you and your blood pressure went through the roof and you're breathing shallow. So your health was compromised and it's just the end of the world, which will not make the plane wait for you. Or you could say, you know what? I can't change this. It is what it is. This is an opportunity for growth for me. Wow. I don't have to pay money to go to a Tony Robbins seminar. Right now in my car, right now, I can transform myself. I don't have to wait for Shabbat Shuvah, Shabbat Zagadol, to hear a great drasha. Right now, I have a great moment to, to work on myself. This is it. This is an opportunity. He's not talking about it in the context of Bitochon, but the same is true for Bitochon. Those moments that normally would have made us stress out, get anxious, lose our cool, fight, ruin relationships, ruin our health, are each an invitation and an opportunity. They're a nega. They're amok min ha'or. They're saying, hey buddy, relax, it's going to work out. You weren't meant to be on that flight. The woman who died on that Southwest flight, what she would have given to be late for that airplane. We weren't meant to be on that flight. 
right? Not every time did you miss a flight where you meant to die in the flight. But I'm just saying, if we have bitachon, if you live life the higher order, Rabbi Soloveitchik writes, it's, it's really magnificent, I'm happy to share with you at another time because the way he writes it is very beautiful. He says there's only one fear that can solve all the other fears. If you have a phobia of public situation, you have a phobia of height, you have a phobia or fear of, of worry of finances, you have a fear of health, you have a fear of this, you have a fear of, of terror, you have a fear of whatever. There's only one fear. It's very paradoxical because you'd say, how could fear replace fear? If it's fear, you need to overcome fear. The Rav, it appears in Alachuva because there was a psychologist who gave Rabbi Soloveitchik a very hard time in Elul. He said, we daven on the Yom Narayim and we say... Hashem, give us some good, healthy pachad of you. Fear. Right? Normally, yira, I translate as awe. Pachad is a dose of fear. Real fear. So the psychologist would say, I spend my whole day trying to heal people from fear. Trying to relieve them of fear. Fear is debilitating. Fear is paralyzing. Fear is unhealthy. I'm trying to get rid of fear. And you're davening, Hashem, give me fear. So the Rav's answer was, there are two different types of fear. The fear that we're dominating for is in fact the greatest therapy, the only solution to every other type of fear. Why? Because, says the Rav, all the other fears are because we have no control over those things and what will they do to us and what will happen and what will be and, and how will it impact and, and how will we... But when you live with a fear and awareness and awe of Hashem, of the Ribbon Shalom, then all those other fears can fall away because you realize He's in control, whatever will be, will be. What's meant to be will be. You have what you need. You do your best and the rest is in His hands. It's the most, it's the feeling of the greatest relief. Let go. They say in, in, in treatment, in AA, or in the 12 steps, let God, let, let go, let God. Let go, let God. Somebody in treatment told me yesterday after my uh, Parsha Shir, because I was talking about at the root, Lashonara is only one of seven things that Chazal tell us caused saras. And I said the common theme of all of them is ego. So he said, in, in, uh, in the 12 step, they say ego stands for edging God out. When you have ego, it's edging God out. There's not room for both of you. So either you make room for Him, and you know what the result, the consequence of making room for Him is you could relax. You could relax. You know, sometimes you drive, right? So when, we're, when we have family trips or we're together, I always drive. Almost always. I always drive. And I enjoy it. I like it. I'm a control freak. It works for both of us. I like to drive. <laughs> But recently I was with Rabbi Moskowitz and we had to drive from New York to, where did we go? To Washington. And he drove. I got to be in the passenger seat. I'm almost never in the passenger seat. You know what happened? My seat back a little bit. Next thing you know, poor Rabbi Moskowitz was talking to me and I was fast asleep. And I was in and out that whole four hour ride. And being a passenger was really pleasant. You know? I wasn't looking at, is the car in front of me breaking? Do I have to brake on time? Do I have to change lanes? Check ways? When is the next exit? Is there traffic? Am I going over the speed limit? Is there a policeman near me? All of those things that cloud your head and that cause even subconsciously a little bit of angst. Am I going to get a ticket? Will I have traffic? Where do I have to turn? I don't want to miss the turn. Even if you're a calm person. But all those things are ever-present, taking up space in your head. When you're a passenger, you don't have to think about any of that. Relax. You can open a Gemara, you can read a book, you can have a conversation without that background noise, you can close your eyes and fall asleep. So, Bitachon says the Ramchal, or Rabbi Soloveitchik says to that psychologist, Bitachon puts you as a passenger in life. Now, you're both a driver and passenger at the same time. 
because we don't believe in being a passenger as a spectator passive. We believe in human initiative. We believe in Bechir Chavshis. We believe that you have to take initiative to, to take control of your whole life. You're a driver. You're a driver passenger at the same time. You're a driver passenger, but you have the benefit of being a passenger. Bitachon says, you know what? Go in the passenger seat and relax. I got it. Kosh Baruch says, I got it. Put your trust in Hashem entirely. You know, while I'm a passenger, I can still worry. What if Rabbi Moskowitz misses the exit? What if he gets a speeding ticket? What if he gets us in an accident? But when you're in a passenger in Hashem's car, it's the ultimate driver. Nothing can go wrong by definition because Hashem is the driver. And when you realize Hashem is the driver and you let go and you're willing to be the passenger, by definition, nothing can go wrong. All of your parnasa was, was established already on Rosh Hashanah. Whether you put a key in the chala, you didn't put a key in the chala. Already on Rosh Hashanah, it was determined whether you were going to put a key in the chala. It's a big school for the dentist, by the way, the key in the chala. A person can't touch even a hair's breadth of what is set aside for his fellow man. We talked about this in the Parsha class yesterday as well, because I shared, I'll just repeat it here for those who don't go to the Parsha class. The Ben Ishchai has an incredible vort. The Mitzorah, the individual whose ego, whose arrogance got in the way, who gossiped, who was ruthlessly competitive, part of the healing process of the Mitzorah is to shave his head, his eyebrows, his body. First you let your hair grow, can't trim it at all. And then the healing process, part of the process of bringing carbonos and the like, is he has to shave. What happens when he shaves his head? So the Gemara, there's an amazing Gemara in Baba Basra. The Gemara says that if a person looks, for some of us it's easier to see than others, but if you see where your hair used to grow or grows, you see the pores, you'll see that there's a pore for every hair. And the Gemara says that should two hairs try to grow from the same pore, a person would go blind. I don't know, medically it means you literally go blind or it just means that it's bad for your health or it's just meant metaphorically. But on our scalp, in our body, every hair grows from its own pore. One pore doesn't produce or nourish two hairs. So the Ben Chai suggests maybe the reason the Mitzorah has to shave is to see those pores and realize just like every hair has its own pore, every human being gets what, what they need from Hashem. And don't try to encroach on someone else's parnasa. Don't be ruthless in business. Don't gossip about somebody else because you're jealous, you're envious, you want what they have, you're competing with them. Realize, every hair has its own pore, and every one of us have what we need from Hashem, He'll take care of us. That's this Gemara in Yuma. Nobody could touch what was meant for you. You have X business, I don't care if across the street, 10 competitors open. You can't touch what you have. I quoted yesterday the Chazanish that we studied together in Amun Abitachon, who said, the person who claims to have Amun Abitachon all day long, the competitor moves across the street. They badmouth them, they threaten them, they go to the distributor about them, they undercut them. What happened to the Amun Abitachon? That everything you have is from Hashem. If you have Amun Abitachon, you know what you do? You go across the street, and you knock on the competitor's door, and you say, Welcome to the neighborhood. How can I help you? Let me introduce you to my contacts. Let me tell you what I did to set up shop. Because you know what? I trust the Rebona Shalom has enough to make me wealthy and you wealthy. That if you succeed, it doesn't have to come from me. If I meant to be wealthy, I'll be wealthy no matter how well you do. And if I meant to fail, I'm going to fail no matter how poorly you do or even if you never came. So that is the, the attitude that we're supposed to have. 
So the answer, the antidote to worry, anxiety, nervousness, fear, scattered, fragmented, divided, mindlessness, the answer is bitachon, bitachon. Be a passenger. Just be a passenger. Just be a passenger. So you're missing the plane, you're in the car, you're stuck in traffic, your heart rate's going up, your breathing's getting shallow, you're starting to just realize, you know what? I'm a passenger on the ride of life. Hashem, you're driving this, you're driving my life, I'm sure you're taking me wherever I'm meant to go. Wasn't meant to be on this plane, I'll be on the next plane. Wasn't meant to have this, I'll have that. Everything is for a reason, whatever is meant to be. I trust you, I'm a passenger on your ride, and I look forward to seeing where we're going to go. Because who knows how it's going to work out. Some people thought they were on a trajectory towards something being perfect, and it turned out it was the worst thing in the world for them. And other people said, what I thought, what I wanted was perfect, and Hashem, you took me to this worst thing, and it turned out the worst thing was the greatest thing that ever happened to them. So be a passenger and say, Hashem, looking forward to seeing where this ride takes us. Who knows? I can't control it. I do the best I can, and beyond that, I let go, and I let God. Next week I'm away at a rabbinic conference, so we're off next week, unless you want to meet with Yechavit Goldberg and show him. No? Okay. So we will, we'll resume in two weeks.